Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls, and I am happy and grateful to be with you today, listeners. I am so thankful for each and every one of you tuning in. I am so excited for you to hear from our guest today and to introduce him. Please welcome Gary Harps. He's founder of Lead First. With a passion for merging faith and work, Gary and his team are on a mission to help owners build kingdom impact businesses that bring some order to our chaotic world. His extensive career spans successful business ventures, impactful book authorship, and educating on the intersection of business and faith. Rooted in family values, Gary finds joy with his wife, three children, and four grandchildren. Welcome, Gary, with that. Welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you. It's great to be on on board with you. Likewise. So if you would, just give us kind of a, 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 I hit the high points, right? You've got a career that spans successful business ventures, impactful authorship, but give us kind of a synopsis in your words of of that career. Hit some high points for us and or low points. Uh, Sure. I I, I was fortunate to get into business when the uh, computing industry was emerging, the, the PC industry. And I was in a Bible study with two other fellows, and we worked on uh, thinking through the idea of what it meant to integrate our faith in everyday life. And that led us to the idea of running a business and trying to do it in a biblical way would grow our faith. And and boy, was that ever true. <clears throat> And over the, over a twenty year period, uh, by the way, you told me you're you're located in Boca. Um, over that twenty year period, uh, we started a business about ten months before the IBM PC was introduced, and Boca uh, Raton in Florida was the key part of that. So that tells you how old I am. <laughs> and but over the next twenty years, we ran out of money several times. We uh, had to. Um, lay off people because of the mistakes that I made and and all those things just taught me a great deal about trusting God. Sure. Sure, sure. So you, you mentioned a minute ago that you, you you were discussing this notion of faith at work and, and running a biblical business to grow your faith and you and you kind of the punctuation on that was, and boy, it did. So uh, tell us a little bit of like, how does how does running a biblical company grow your faith? How does that work? 
Well, you, all of life is about determining purpose and, and life is chaotic until you figure out what your purpose is. And so my partners and I had the benefit of being on the same page from a faith point of view. And so that ability to agree on why we were in business enabled us to sustain and stay together on the same page where many business people would have split apart. And so one time I remember when I made some mistakes and we ran out of cash and we had to lay people off. Our My partners and I were all on the same page about the need to do it. And we prayed through it. And, and um, instead of recrimination and uh, tearing each other apart, we supported each other. So that's an example of how a shared faith can sustain you through a very difficult time. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so as a, you shared a little bit, as a business owner, you, you, bad decisions get made, and we all make them. I don't think, no, nobody's immune from that, no matter how many years in business or experience. So we all make them. And in this instance, um, you shared that you came together and you prayed about it as the, as the ownership or leadership team. How else, in what other ways do you bring your faith to the business, like just give us a educate us on faith at work, if you will, or faith in business. Well, I think there's. I've thought a lot about what that question, and <clears throat> and there's sort of three tiers of um, integrating faith at work. There's the competency to just build and run a really good business, and you know the quality of people's lives depend on having a stable job, stable income. And so that's sort of business 101. And a lot of people don't think about it as maybe integrating faith, but it takes faith to run a really good business. You mean, you have to be honest. You have to have integrity. You have to think through purpose. You have to do all the basic blocking and tackling that any other business has. But the standard maybe is even higher in terms of honesty and truthfulness and those sorts of things. So that think of that as the base layer of, of integrating faith and business. The next layer is going beyond the business side to caring for people in a way that um, looks at them as an individual, not as a means to an end, but as a person of worth. You know, the, the Bible teaches that people are created in God's image. And so uh, do you really grow to the point that when you're looking at people, do you see them as a uh, a tool to just get what you want out of the business? Or do you see them as a person of value in and of themselves? And that's sort of a level of maturity that goes beyond just basic running a good business. And that even that level can extend to what's happening to the person outside their uh, business life, what's going on at home, how do you support families in, in getting through the trials that all of us have. So that's that's sort of the second layer of um, biblical care, if you will. And I would say most people would label that as sort of the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. 
take care of people like you would want to be taken care of. But there is a third layer that a lot of people don't talk about, which is how do you expose people to the promise of what um, is in the gospel in, in the New Testament about Jesus? You know, basically, the gospel says that there are things Jesus can do for us that we can't do for each other. And so you're, I think kingdom building, using your business as a kingdom building platform, you can't just do those first two layers and stop. You also need to have ways to let people know about the gospel itself. Now, I don't mean run it down people's throat, but I mean be clear and open about it for those who are interested. And I think that third layer um, is where the miracles take place. It's where things that get done that people can't do for each other. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. It's interesting. The the So just kind of thinking about what you were saying and how the, the base layer, what I wrote down was, um, you know, and on some levels, you're just a decent human. Like, like with these basic characteristics of honesty, integrity, et cetera, I add to that that you have a business, so you need to run a good business. Um, layer one, and then and then that second level is is interesting. That you know you you look at people that they they've got value in you know as you said value in and of themselves. Everybody brings something. We're all uniquely and wonderfully made, and we all have something something to offer and and unlimited potential for for each person. Um, you know, not just tools, but again. Across, across faiths and and people, we can find that without mm-hmm. without that very key third piece, and that yes. and that you know that's kind of what really to, to me is you like that's what brings this home is okay. It's great that you do these things and you're a good person. You see people value. Where's the proof that you're? following jesus where where's the proof of you know what i mean so so where is the gospel where is the gospel at work um so it's interesting and i, I what you know things that i've said on this topic and and i and i believe this is a lot of business owners i think need permission or feel like they need permission maybe they don't feel like it they don't even realize it. i think they need permission to share their faith at work i think we've been We've been beat down by by media and kind of culturally, and there's somehow this this belief that I'm a business owner. I don't know that I'm allowed to air quotes allowed to share my faith at work. And as you and I were just talking, it's really the the piece that unlocks it all and makes us biblical business owners. Do you have any thoughts I, around that? Yeah, I agree with that, and I I think there's a lot of times because we don't know how to do that and do it in a way that's um, respects other people's beliefs, we'd end up not doing anything. And that's a mistake too. And I've been studying uh, successful business people who have done this in a way that that people that may not agree with their faith still isn't offended because they don't uh, hire based on it and they don't promote based on it. But they're still uh, through their actions, demonstrate that their faith is real. And then people see that authenticity and then they're more interested in knowing more about their faith. But, you know, when we don't live our faith, we don't, we lose the right to share it. 
<laughs> we, we, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and it's interesting you say we we lose the right to, but if we're not living it, um, yeah, the we could we could go down a deep hole with that one. Um, yeah. Because suddenly we become the quote unquote the Christian that doesn't live what they what they proclaim, right? We're and, and run across that all growing up how they're you know it's the double standard. Um, mm-hmm. The the Bible's good for you, and I believe in it, but just just don't watch what I'm doing. And you know, even even in some business dealings, like I, I've seen where business gets used as a tool or as an excuse to do things that they wouldn't do to I'll their share, neighbor. I'll share a story that I think maybe helps translate this how do you how do you take care of people first and this was a story a chaplain told me a business chaplain where um, he went into an organization and um, told them that he was there to support anybody there with questions or, or needs that they might have and one individual approached him and said there are some things I'd like to talk to you about but I don't really want to talk about faith or Jesus or anything like that in the chaplain said that's fine i'll i'll honor whatever you want and they became friends over a period of years and the guy would call the chaplain when he had some thing he wanted to talk over that was personal but after 4 years this gentleman got cancer and he said to the chaplain you know i told you i didn't want to talk about faith but he said i've got cancer i would like to now and so after 4 years he built a relationship of trust he earned earned that trust, and and then this gentleman, um, when he heard the gospel, decided that he believed what Jesus had to offer, and um, and then died. He he died of this cancer, and his wife came to the chaplain and said, "I don't know what you did to my husband, but he became a changed person uh, before he died." And would you do his funeral? Because they didn't have a church. They didn't know any of this stuff. And so the chaplain did the the funeral. And at the funeral, um, other people wanted to know what he had shared with her husband. My, My point in all this is people of all faiths want to be loved. Yeah. And people of all faiths want to be told the truth. And as Christians, sometimes we're just not very good. We try to ram things down people's throat without loving them. And um, you got Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. That's where you start. Then the gospel yeah. comes later. Yeah, it, it, it's it, so it's the layers you, you led with. It comes back to principle number two, seeing everybody as having their own value and worth and, and loving them uh, for exactly who they are and where they're at. That's what we're called yep. to do. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. Thank you but for, I think the mistake, and you alluded to it, is that you don't have the third layer. You stop at the second layer and have no intention of ever going to the third layer. And that's yeah. not good either. Right, 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 right. It, it, it's not. Yep. The, it takes all three for the, for the recipe to work, at, at least as we're talking about, it seems. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So, you know, you can do this and do it in a winsome way. People want people want to work for an organization that has integrity and that care about people. And if you 
<clears throat> if you don't work for a Christian, work for somebody else that cares about people. But um, I would expect I want to work for people. I know what they believe and I know what their values are. Whether I agree with them or not, if I know those things and then I can I can learn how to interact with them. Absolutely. Yeah. You you mentioned chaos a little bit ago in a conversation, and your latest book is called Built to Beat Chaos. Um, and as, as we're talking about uh, being you know in, in business and and sharing our faith at work, business oftentimes feels chaotic. Um, there's there's a lot coming at leaders, and it's I think it's. It's probably, it seems like maybe this isn't the truth, but with all the information and instant responses required, it feels like maybe it's more chaotic now than um, than years past, but I, I could be mistaken. There's always been fires to put out, but all that is just wondering with your book, Built to Be Chaos. We've got chaos. We've got leaders trying to faith their work, share their faith at work. Hopefully, how do they do that in the midst of the chaos? How do they, how do they conquer it? What's the secret? What's the magic? So much of the Bible is... Um just practical insight on how life works. And so a, a lot of times you don't have to really kind of take a deep breath and dive into sharing. You just live according to principles. And in doing that, you are sharing. And so an example is that the Bible says that people are created in God's image to overcome the uh, chaos that's in the world. And, and most people don't realize it, but the very first thing God created was not light. It was chaos. The very first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they were void and without form. And so his, it, it's careful to tell us that before he created and brought order, he actually created the chaos. And then he started to bring order out of it. And later on, he said, we're created in his image to do the same thing. So it's a mistake to think of chaos as the enemy. Chaos is the raw material from which we apply purpose. And so any leader that helps an employee figure out what their job is or, or setting a goal in a form uh, you, in a way, you are bringing order out of chaos and you are doing something that is holy work. And so you don't have to preach the gospel to live it. You just do things that are according to the truth and people benefit from it. And in that way, you are doing kingdom building. So I, I like to encourage leaders that your job, your first job is to help people figure out what purpose is, because you can't conquer chaos until you know what purpose is. So I run into leaders that haven't figured out their purpose yet. Uh, and, and we can, we could talk about the effectiveness of a leader at that point, but regard, what are your tips to help somebody on that amazing journey of discovering their purpose and beginning to live it out? Well, that's where um, there are different kinds of purpose and, Sometimes people think I have to find my purpose in life when in reality, there's multiple purposes. 
So, for example, if I am an individual and I may have certain skills and abilities and how to leverage and use those things becomes a strategy for my life. I'm really good at writing software. I'm good at painting or I'm good at whatever. There's a purpose around how I'm created that is just has to do with wisdom and learning what I'm good at. Then there's another purpose. I get married and have a family, and now I've got a joint purpose with my spouse. And so that purpose may transcend my individual purpose. And um, then I go to work, and my business has a strategy. They have a purpose. And I have to decide whether I want to fit into that purpose. And for a person of faith, they realize that within the business world operates within God's purpose. And I know this sounds complex, but most of life is figuring out, do you believe there's a God? And if so, what is his purpose? And then within that, what is your own purpose? What's your family purpose? And what's your work purpose? If you get those aligned, you have a good life. If you get them cross-aligned, then you have a mess. (laughs) <laughs> then we're back to chaos. We have we haven't we haven't made order out of it. That's exactly right. So, can you paint a picture of somebody that doesn't have them aligned? That's got them out of order, cross connected. What 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 might that look like as a for instance? Well, nobody ever has them aligned perfectly. I certainly don't. Um, but l- let's let's take a work example. I take a job with somebody and I'm signing up for whatever the purpose of that organization is. And what if I get inside of that organization and I don't like my work? And I say, I'm going to fight against my employer in the sense that I'm going to do the least I can do. I'm going to show up late, leave early, give half-hearted effort. That's a misalignment. Basically, you have said you're going to take a pay to align with whatever this company hired me for, and I no longer like the purpose of the company or my boss or whatever. I'm now at cross purposes with the organization. And that creates a mess. It creates a mess for the business and it creates a mess for the employee. Now, your choice, the integrity choice is to say, I don't like this company, therefore leave. Yeah. Or work with the company to change the purpose, but don't don't fight it. That's wrong. It's it's interesting. Um, in, if what I do, I talk a fair amount about the company purpose. You know the why it exists, their values, and it's the responsibility of the company to share what those are with any with any mm-hmm. candidate. I, I think. Yes, it's it interesting. is. I, I hadn't often. You know, going. I'm thinking right now of Jocko Willink's book, um, Extreme Ownership. I hadn't thought about the responsibility that a candidate has or employees have to really know and understand what the true purpose and values of the company is, and make sure that and make sure that there is alignment. And if there's not alignment, make sure that they can tolerate whatever that misalignment is. Um, That's well said because you who who wears it? Who inherits the problem? If you take a job and you're not aligned with it, you do and the business does. 
and you can blame the company, but you're still caught in the mess. And and so to take a job where it's not clear what the purpose of the company is or your purpose of the job is, you are taking a huge risk. Yes, and and what immediately comes to mind is not only putting the the work your workplace at risk, but think what it does to your family when you come home after a day of working a place you don't like with people and with a mission you don't agree with or purpose you don't agree with. I mean, uh, now totally. we're in, now we're in negative ripple effects. Yeah, and I, by the way, that you mentioned chaos, the most important leadership trait, and I mean by that for me as an individual, self leadership is we have to be good at determining purpose. Because if we don't get the purpose of our, in, us as an individual aligned with our spouse and aligned with our work and aligned with our country, then you are going to have chaos. And that's what we have now. We have half the country who thinks one thing and half the country who thinks another thing. And so what do we have? We have chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's it's interesting when you put it that way. There's a reason, you know, we we always when we when we come together as a country it's because there's crisis. So at least for a time mm-hmm. we have a common mm-hmm. a common way of thinking um mm-hmm. which which at least temporarily bridges that gap or that divide. Yeah. Hmm. You know, as a as a person of faith I find it interesting that if there is no God, then there is nothing to align to. And it guarantees that we as a society will never have anything to align around unless it's a, a tyrannical power. In other words, some somebody is powerful enough to force us to align if we're not willing to align to a God. Yeah, what comes to mind, of course, is um, is socialism or communism, right? You they mm-hmm. want you aligned to the state, um, yeah. which to your it, and to your point, it's it's in it's a the state becomes the all all powerful mm-hmm. um, and power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, et cetera. And and as we've Wait. seen time and again, it's a downward downward spiral. Um, that's that's been proven out many many times. Well, you can see why people people don't like chaos. They want order, and sometimes they're willing to give up their rights to get it. Um, and so what's interesting about theology, the idea of does God exist, that question is so profound because it tells us what we align around. And so if there is no God, there is no basis of alignment. So as an individual, so, so we talked about kind of the, the macro, if we were to dial it down to the micro now and, and being in alignment, and I'm thinking of just, you know, as a leader or, or not a leader, but just as, as you're to be a healthy individual, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, spiritually, et cetera, how does, how does that play out without the alignment of having, uh, having God or a higher power? What's that do for the individual? Are there well, health ramifications? I, I would like- say, like it might work, how it might work out or play out in a work situation is, if I'm a frontline supervisor, 
the way I interact with the people around me is influenced by what I believe about them. So if I'm a supervisor and I see somebody who's not doing a very good job, do I look at them as somebody of worth created in God's image that needs help? Or do I look at them as somebody I'm going to get angry with because they can't do the job? And so these are the places your faith starts to influence how you interact with the people around you. And it doesn't just have to be a manager and a supervisor. It can be two people right next to each other. How do you treat the person right next to you? Do you know them well enough to know whether they're having problems at home? And so faith faith is lived out in every breath you take, how you interact with every conversation, every thought. It's influenced by what you believe about yourself and the people around you. I'm reminded of a conversation I've had with um, that's happened with a couple different uh, leaders on leadership teams, and mm-hmm. talking talking about the idea of of just company culture and employee engagement. And one of the things, one of the recommendations, you know, through System and Soul is having the just a weekly the the five minute water cooler talk with each of your people. You know, what how are things going? What are you working on? How can I help you? What you know? How was your weekend? Whatever it is, and the pushback I get, the pushback I get from the leadership teams. Well, they don't want to tell me about their their life, and I don't want to hear about it. And I'm I'm always a little bit not a little bit. I'm always shocked. Like, why wouldn't you want to know what's going on with your people? Because they're going to bring it with them to work, and you can't help them if you don't at least take the time to to get to know them and to to have some care about them. So, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. And that's the inside out. Do you really care about them as opposed to just doing it to manipulate? And uh, people pick up in a hurry. If you're asking them questions and you don't really care, they won't share with you. They'll quit. They know when you care. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you can't act your way through. No, that's right. Hmm. So for yeah. somebody that does for somebody that does struggle with this, say we've got a a, a new manager or somebody starts up the company and, and they you know they haven't sometimes you don't always think this through. I was one of those guys twenty mm-hmm. <laughs> some years ago. Um, but but what like just say you want if you just wanted like somebody listening to this podcast and they hear it and they think I need to care more. I need to be more proactive about that. What are some what are some things we could start doing or encourage people to start doing to move the needle towards the, you know, the second and third layer of the three layers? Yeah. Uh, great question. <clears throat> there are a number of things that you can do, like use some kind of a tool or an instrument that, oh, allows your team to talk about something together openly. So you might do a personality profile or something. It, it doesn't really matter the instrument. It's just that you get your team together and say, hey, let's learn to talk to each other better. And we're going to use this tool and talk through what it means. It's not the tool. It's the process of acknowledging we want to learn to talk to each other better. Another, another thing to do is just be honest with people. Go into your group and say, you know, on this last survey, you guys say I didn't do very good at this. 
admit it and ask for input. Instead of getting mad, say, I heard this, tell me more about it. Um, just find ways to be open and honest with people. And it's amazing how the tension in the room can go out. And, you know, if you need a survey to do it, fine. If you need a behavioral assessment, fine. But find some technique to open the conversation. I love that. Uh, what, a, what a great response. And what, what comes to mind is just, and you, you mentioned a tool, but create the environment. And whether it's through a survey or, or disk or, you know, there's so many, so many different uh, tests yeah. And, 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 yeah, you can run out there. Uh, but but to create the environment where it happens, um, I've heard uh, there's a book. Maybe are you familiar with um, relational leadership? Ford no, Taylor. I'm not. So he talks about, and I won't. I'm going to get it wrong. But the six the six step apology, um, oh. and when you mentioned the, um, you know, the somebody gives you a bad review or whatever, and instead of getting mad, you just and the six step apology is first, hey, I screwed up, so you admit it. You apologize. Yeah. I am sorry. Yeah. Then ask, "Will you forgive me?" Yeah. Right. Um, I love that. And then, and then, and here's where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, I'm missing one. I won't get it. But is there anything else that I that that I need to like anything else I need to apologize for? Uh, and right now, every time I've had heard this explained, we're supposed to chuckle and say, "Husbands, be careful if you're doing this with your wives." But and then. Can I could I ask you to hold me accountable? Is Amen. And if so if so, when you see this happening in the future, I give you permission to please let me know. Yeah. That that last one is so powerful. If if you can go in front of a group and say, um, you you guys have been telling me I lose my temper or cut you off or something. I, I don't I know I do that. I don't want to keep doing it. Help me. And give them permission to call you out when they do it. We we used to talk about throw a quarter in the jar, where where every time I did something, I and after a few times you break the habit. But yeah. people love working with you when you're open about a weakness. They want to help you, but if you deny it and fight it, they'll take you down. <laughs> uh, so I love they, your six step. I love your six step process. I think that's a great process. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty effective. Uh, the the yeah. couple times I've I've used it so far. Um, yeah. So just to give proper, to give credit again, it's Fort Taylor's Relational Leadership is the book where that what I I found out about that. Um, what is what's whole person health? What is it? Yes. It is some of what we've already talked about. We, t we talk about sort of two dimensions of building a really healthy organization. One is the business health, that kind of lower tier, lower tier which is uh, a healthy business. It's profitable. It's growing uh, good jobs. And then the whole person health is um, helping people get value out of their work at work and caring about them enough to know what's going on at home. Um, that doesn't mean every supervisor has to do it, but you can have caring teams that um, help people in need. There, there's a whole lot of best practices, kind of like a continuous improvement team, but it's a caring team. Uh, come alongside somebody who's uh, running into some health problem or financial problem or whatever. So that's what we mean by whole person health. 
is a body, soul, and spirit. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the reasons, well, the reason I do what I do, uh, or a big part of it, and the reason I specifically decided to use the system and soul framework is, A, on the system side, you know, for, for business owners, so many of us out there, we get, we're in the weeds. We, we, mm-hmm. we, we start a business that grows, we have success, and we're, mm-hmm. and we're wearing a ton of hats. Um, yes. The business just kind of takes over, uh, where as, as we get them systems and processes in place, that owner can now get their head up out of the weeds, so to speak, get back to the, what doing what they love, and they begin to impact and, and serve like they, like they truly want to, right? And I, I truly believe that the, the ripple effect as they're as as they're able to do that, their employees, their their leadership, everybody has a better day at work, as you just mentioned, yeah. right? And yeah. when they have a better day at work, they stop at the cafe on the way home or the restaurant or the grocery store, and there's there they have a different experience. The people working with them have a different experience as they pay for their groceries or whatever it is. When they get home, their wife and children or their husbands and children have a better interaction with them. And so what you just talked about, this notion of you know, building that layer in where they are cared for as the person, it changes everything, changes society, I think. Yeah, uh, very well said. I, it, it's interesting that wisdom, you know, biblical idea of wisdom has to do with putting these pieces together the way you just described it. You know, it's it's not obvious that doing a bad job of planning at work is going to cause problems at home, but it does. Because yeah. it creates stress or the business doesn't perform as well, which puts more stress and financial problems and spills over at home and then home problems spill back to work. It, it, wisdom says all these pieces fit together. <laughs> and now we're back to where we began because we're back to putting order to the chaos. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. What, what you just uh, described. What, that's what, why I like the Bible. It, it tells me the way the world really works. It tells me how people think, why they do what they do. There's just basic principles in scripture that allow me to be a better leader. Yeah. 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 Uh, Gary, it was, as, uh, as we get close to winding down, first thing, um, built to beat chaos. You want to tell us a little bit about it, where people can find it? I know we've, we've kind of unpacked parts and po- mm-hmm. already, but, um, a little bit more on that. And then for people that uh, are interested, want to get to know you better, could could use your help learning how to run a kingdom business, uh, where would we find you? Sure. The the book is available on most of the retailers, Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble, those sorts of places. Um, if, if you're interested in piecing together a, a kingdom building strategy, then go to our website. I, I'll set up an appointment with you and just talk about what you're trying to do. Um, we we believe the first step is to carefully talk through this with your leadership team and craft a vision of what kingdom building means in your particular business and your particular organization. And I love to have those conversations. That, that's my, my calling in life. Outstanding. Very good, very good. Uh, and, and that website is leadfirst.ai. Is that correct? That's correct. Leadfirst.ai. Awesome. Thank you for that. Before I turn you loose, if you would share with our listeners 
one important or impactful question that you would leave them with? What should we be thinking about? When you are feeling confused or overwhelmed, step back and ask, what is the purpose here? What am I trying to do? And I'll use the analogy of building a house. A truck drops off a whole bunch of lumber in the front yard, and you have no clue what to do with that lumber unless you've got a blueprint. When your life is feeling like there's a truck of two-befores laying out there and you don't know what to do with them, step back and ask yourself, what's the blueprint? What's the purpose? What am I trying to do? Then all of a sudden, all the chaos starts to lift and you know which piece to pick up next. Phenomenal question. Love it. Thank you so much. Gary, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Appreciate your wisdom on this subject. And uh, yeah, look forward to knowing and growing with you further. Amen to that. I love what you're doing. And uh, I like your your theme of why not me? You know, life is an adventure. So why not me? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for being here. Before I turn you loose, whatever question, whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you all. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.